I am always amazed when I see a small business that is really, really rocking it. Their competitors will look at them and say, well, you know, they have more resources or they have more money to spend on marketing or they just have better people. The secret often lies not in the resources that they have, but the mindset that they cultivate. Across the board, from small shops to multinational corporations, there's a widespread challenge, a missing piece in the puzzle to business success. And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs, just like you, to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Haynes. Welcome to this episode. This is where small business owners and entrepreneurs pick up core skill sets to help them create the jaw-dropping, show-stopping experience that their customers and their employees deserve. I am your host, customer and employee experience strategist, Mark Hain. And in today's episode, we will talk about what it takes to ignite the entrepreneurial spirit in your people. We'll uncover how to go from the initiative ice age, where it's all kind of just frozen up and nobody is moving forward, to the intrapreneur infusion (laughs) by creating a remarkable framework for renewal. So if you're looking to unlock the true potential of your team and take your business to new heights, really that you've never really imagined, you're in the right place. Stick with me for this episode. I'd love for this to be an open forum. So if you have any questions, I am looking at the question box. Make sure you put questions in the comment box and I'll make, go ahead and answer them live. Or if you're doing this, watching this on the replay, I'll make sure to keep an eye on the comment box and reply as you post. While you're at it, why don't you go ahead and make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. As always, if you find this topic compelling or I offer some semblance of brilliance at any particular time, I do offer 30 minutes of complimentary coaching. Go ahead and book yourself in my online calendar. The link is in the show notes. It's the one marked meetwith.markhain.com. I'd love to get into a conversation with you. You know, it is a real head scratcher when you think about all the different businesses that are out there that are just really kicking it. They're succeeding when others are really struggling and they're falling behind and they're not doing well at all. You might think it's about hiring the right people, but what if I told you it has more to do with the nurturing kind of environment that you create than it does really evaluating your existing practices? I'm not saying that your existing hiring practices you know, are good. I don't know for sure, but chances are you've brought people into your organization because they were the best that you could find. And so what would happen then if we nurture them? So that brings us to our question of the day. So are you constantly finding yourself having to push your team to innovate and think outside the box? Or do they come to you brimming with ideas and solutions? Is your team's potential 
fully unleashed or are they still being siloed by the job descriptions that are put in place? I'd love to hear from you. I'd love if you would drop your thoughts or experiences and even your struggles into the comment box. Share on social media. And if you do, make sure you hashtag it experience leadership. I'd love for you to be part of this conversation. You know, following one of uh, my secret shopping session debriefs I did with a local hotel, the owners were really frustrated with the performance of the staff. They've used phrases like, oh, I've told them a million times, or I don't know why they don't listen. You know, if I wasn't here, nothing would ever get done. Gosh, I wish they would show more initiative. And gosh is a four-letter word I'm replacing with a better four-letter word, just so you know. <laughs> when I did my covert stay, though, I was able to witness so many interactions between the managers and the staff. Some of the interactions started with, I don't know why you're doing it like this. I never trained you to do it this way. I don't care what Paul told you. I want you to do it my way. How many times have I told you? Who did this? <laughs> the language of micromanaging was so prevalent and so loud, yet during the debrief, the problem was pointed squarely on the shoulders of the staff. Now, if you've watched this podcast any length of time, I've told you this metaphor about if you're pointing fingers at somebody, you're pointing three fingers at yourself. <laughs> what the owners did not realize was that they were in what I like to call the initiative ice age. You know you are in the initiative ice age when you see these things happening. Your team consistently waits for directions instead of proactively seeking solutions. There's a noticeable reluctance to propose new ideas or to take on new challenges. Meetings are dominated by routine updates rather than dynamic brainstorming sessions. The meetings are centered around everything that is wrong and new policies to overcome all those problems. And even when faced with problems, there's a tendency to stick to the tried and true methods rather than exploring new innovative approaches. In this state, the once vibrant landscape of creativity, initiative, pride, and even action turns into this frozen expanse of passivity and commitment to sticking to the status quo. It's better to deal with the devil you know than the devil you don't kind of attitude. The biggest obstacle these hotel owners had, though, was their managers had to overcome themselves. They were the ones getting in their own way. And as leaders, I think it is on us to understand what we are fearful of. You know, for micromanagers especially, there's this syndrome that they fall into. You know, if I take a step back, all hell will break loose. If I'm not here, nothing will get done. I'm, I'm afraid my guests will have a bad experience. Now, there's a bigger issue that the leaders need to address here. Specifically, it's the martyr syndrome, where a leader believes that they are indispensable to the organization, to the how their team will function or how their business will function. I just had a coaching meeting with a client who is looking to retire in five years, and she's an owner-operator, but she is so ingrained in her business, she was shocked when I told her that our business her business is worth nothing if she's involved in it. And she was like aghast by it. So this lady was just, you know, so shocked by the fact that I said her business really had no value. And I 
was trying to tell her that the reason why it has no value is because she's so ingrained in it that when she tries to sell it, the owners, the new owners coming in will see, if I take her out of it, I don't have a business. And so it, we talked about how the next five years, she really has to find a way to wean herself out of the business and make sure that the business can operate on their own. So once we acknowledge and deal with that reality, it might be beneficial for leaders to exhibit the feelings of stepping back by assessing the role in the broader narrative and maybe even let others take the spotlight for a while. Sometimes the martyr syndrome is really kind of seeded because I want to be the hero. I want everybody to see how hard I work. I want everybody to see how great I am. And if that's part of our, if that's part of our kind of drive, then we need to self-evaluate and try to find out why is that the case? And I know that when it comes down to micromanaging, especially for this particular hotel, the leaders at this hotel have a lot of work to do in this particular arena. The bigger question must be, how can I get my employees to start thinking like owners? We need to work towards getting what we want. We must start working towards getting to what I like to call the intrapreneur infusion state. Now, intrapreneur is a funny word. And that is basically, you know, we've heard entrepreneurs, people who own businesses, an intrapreneur would be somebody who's internal to you, who thinks like an entrepreneur. And so if we look at this idea of how do we take our employees and turn them into, give them the entrepreneur mindset, and they create this intrapreneur infusion into our business, you know that you are in intrapreneur infusion when you see a few things happening. Team members are actively generating and pitching innovative ideas. They're coming to the table with their own ideas. There's a palatable buzz of energy and collaboration and meeting with people, and they're eagerly building on each other's suggestion. It's not just a one-person show. There's a culture of constructive risk-taking that is evident with individuals who have the courage and the confidence to explore new possibilities. Failures are openly discussed. <gasps> really? We're going to talk about our failures? And we look at those failures as learning opportunities rather than setbacks. And then there's a visible shift towards a more autonomous, empowered decision-making at all levels of the organization. And in this environment, creativity is not just encouraged, but it is a natural part of everyday work life. And each member feels like a vital contributor to the business's growth and evolution. When we come back, we will cover how to create a remarkable framework for renewal. And we'll get to that right after this. When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Hain. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhain.com. While I'm at it, I should just mention I'm in a brand new show. It hits the stage April 12th, 13th, and 14th. We are in rehearsals right now. If you would like to get tickets for it and you're interested in attending this, this show at the Devon Community Theater here just outside of Edmonton, please let me know and I'll uh, send you the link to buy tickets. Anyway, during the break, I was um, thinking of the impacts 
to a business that fails to encourage entrepreneurial thinking among their staff. A couple of months ago, I was meeting with directors at a very popular tourism destination here in Edmonton, and we got onto the subject of how to get the very best from their staff. In the meeting, there was probably about five directors in the, in the meeting room. I, I had asked them, I said, if they had clarity of the skills and capacity each member of the staff had that were outside the scope of their individual job descriptions. They looked at me dumbfounded. They just kind of stared at me. So I changed the question. Do you think that the people you've hired have more skills and capacity than their current job description allows? The response was, yeah, I, I suppose so. And there lies the problem. <laughs> I believe every person on the team has passion, skills, and capacities that get marginalized by job descriptions. But that's normal. We hire people to do a job. That job has a job description. So it's absolutely normal that we've hired the best people for that particular job description. But that job description is being filled by individuals who have a lifetime of experience. They have hobbies, they have interests, they have other passions. What would happen if we tapped into those? I worked with a gent for five years and never realized what an amazing illustrator he was. He draws the funniest cartoons. Heck, I didn't even know he had a sense of humor. When I helped start, <laughs> it's so amazing. I was, I was like, when, why didn't you tell me you do this? Anyway, when I helped start a corporate Toastmasters club for a municipality, people from all different departments came together to focus on learning public speaking skills. Because they were creating their own speeches based on their own interests and passions, we got so much clarity as to what each person brings to the table. And it was really amazing because we started hearing some topics like, or some thoughts afterwards about, you know, oh, I didn't know Laura had an autistic child. And, and you know, it was like an aha moment for the group because now they kind of understood some of the stresses that Laura was under while she was at work. So instead of thinking about them from one frame, we're now seeing people holistically or more wholly. Another comment that came out was, who knew Tony in accounting was so funny? All of a sudden, we just got to see people's personality outside the scope of their job descriptions. And I think, you know, when I reflect back on the ails of the pandemic, one of the good things that came out of the pandemic was that because we were seeing people online, on video, we got to see kind of their life environment. No different than my phone just going off right now. You got to see that I'm a very human being who has the same pressures as everybody else, the phone going off during a meeting or the dog barking or a baby crying. And we got to see, I think, for the first time, we got to humanize our employees from a leadership perspective. We got to understand that the people that we were dealing with every single day had something more in their life than just what they do at work. And getting to know the people's backstories passions and their abilities of our team members gives us an arsenal of capacities that we could tap into to make our businesses better. But first, <laughs> we have to have the humility to know that as leaders, we don't have all the answers. I hope this is fun for you. <laughs> I hope this is useful. I hope your brain is buzzing just a little bit. As I mentioned earlier, 
If you'd like to delve into your particular circumstance, I am here to serve. So please feel free, just reach out. My contact information is in the show notes. But here's the thing. Once we know the skills we actually have on our team, we can start moving our people towards kind of this entrepreneurial infusion state where we get our employees to think more like they are entrepreneurs. We give them kind of that power because as entrepreneurs, what holds you back? Nothing. Well, except for your own limiting beliefs and your own self-programming, but that's a topic for another episode. (laughs) This is where we can create a remarkable framework for renewal. The acronym C-A-R-F-R, or what I like to refer to as CARE FOR. (laughs) In the acronym, the C stands for Cultivate a Culture of Innovation and Risk-Taking. Imagine the power of giving your staff a wide berth to solve their own problems and to seek new opportunities. How important would that be? Like, what would give them kind of that feeling that they're worth something? How about encourage creative thinking and experimentation? You know, 3M led the way decades ago when they invented post-it notes. Actually, the the whole thing with post-it notes was the glue that they used for post-it notes was actually a failure, and it was sitting on the shelf for a good 20 years. Then an employee was goofing around and checking out this new glue, and he was given free time to be able to do it, and all of a sudden, he created this glue that didn't leave a lot of residue, and you could use it over and over again, and it was didn't leave a residue on walls, and it was like, this was fabulous, and Post-it Notes was born, and because of it, billions and billions and billions of dollars in profit. Google, at one point, had 20% time, where they allowed their employees to work on their pet Google projects, which ended up launching and reaping all sorts of rewards for Google in all sorts of in areas. Google Gmail, for instance, was started because of 20% time. And because of that, they were able to leverage the brilliance that people brought through their passion projects into the organization and because of it make much more money. You know, as part of this framework, you know, one of the things is we have to also emphasize that failure is part of the learning and innovation process. This idea of failing forward, you know, I don't know what it is, why we have this expectation that when we do something brand new, we should hit it out of the park. You know, I remember learning how to ride a bicycle and falling all the time. I remember learning to skateboard and falling all the time. So why do we have this expectation that I should be able to get on a skateboard and then zoom down the road without, these are skills. And with skills and developing skills, we have to fail. We have to use failure as a method for moving ourselves forward. And then finally, what about celebrate both the successes and constructive failures as an opportunity for growth, right? If we can look at the failure and say, well, yeah, okay, we've done this, so let's take the next step. And then when you hit it out of the park and when it works, then you celebrate. Giving people the reins to try and fail does not come without risks. I admit that. Sometimes there's a money risk. Sometimes there's a time risk. But the rewards and accomplishments and in the sense of accomplishments, as well as the learnings, are invaluable. You cannot pay for it. I remember one of the hotels we had, I was working in, we had been robbed. The lounge waitress had been distracted in another area of the bar and somebody climbed behind the bar and actually stole $5,000. And when all said and done, the owners called me up and they said, well, are you going to fire the server? 
And I said, why would I fire the server? She was out doing her job, taking care of her customer. What we just learned was we had a $5,000 liability that came, that came to the forefront. And so we need to deal with that liability so that we don't have it ever again. What we learned was a very important issue. We had this liability and it cost us $5,000 to find out. When we take that as kind of the mindset of we've just learned a very important lesson. Now we're going to take steps to keep it from happening. Now we're going to have better training. Maybe we're going to have better staffing. We've learned our lesson. So I think that's an invaluable aspect. The A in the framework stands for autonomy, providing autonomy and empowerment. We're here to give entrepreneurs the freedom to pursue their ideas with a degree of independence. That means we have to trust our employees abilities and their judgment. And we have to encourage decision-making at various different levels, not just top-down. Again, by giving people autonomy and empowering, there comes some risks. And I know the micromanagers are just like, right now. (laughs) As we've learned during the pandemic, sometimes it's not his way or her way of doing things. Maybe it's their way. And maybe by bringing things together, maybe it's not a right and a wrong. Maybe there's a third option that's even better, and it makes us stronger. With the proper accountability tools in place, this could be the magic bullet that you really need. The R in the care for stands for resources. Offer resources and support. This is the key from you going from a manager to a leader. And well, by leader, I mean, if you take on the role of coach and mentor and trusted advisor. What would happen if instead of telling people what to do all the time, you were there in place to be the trusted advisor to the team, that you're the person that they come to when they have a quandary, when they have a question, when they need clarity. When I coach people, people are calling me saying, I have a problem and I'd like you to kind of milk the the solution from, you know, through our conversation. I'd like to figure something out. And so you become part of that brainstorming component, not the go-to person to solve all the problems. I mean, in your role, you understand your budget. You understand the time and the money constraints. What happens if you communicated those constraints and those limitations? Openly talk about them and help guide them. I had one business owner look at me when I said that to him, and he says, if my staff knew how much money I made, they would demand a raise. (laughs) But here is where you can really help them allocate time, budget, and resources for employees to explore and develop their ideas. You can provide access to mentoring, training, and development programs to sharpen their entrepreneurial skills. Uh, You can support them with a network of experts and trusted advisors, and sometimes it doesn't cost you very much. You know, in my book, I talk about Susan Clark, and if Susan is watching, hi, Susan. Susan was one of my banquet servers at a hotel I was running. She was a phenomenal server, and she was phenomenal with guests and new people by their names. She was what what I call a community connect. She grew up in the town, and she knew families. She knew what people cared about. She was just absolutely phenomenal because when it came down to celebrating weddings or celebration of lives, she knew the people she was dealing with. To top it off, she already had a great deal of moral authority with the staff. 
and knew how system, she knew our systems absolutely down pat. So when I needed a banquet manager, I figured she was the perfect choice. The owners thought I was on crack. You want her to be the banquet manager? She's just a server. <laughs> and when I approached her to be the banquet manager, she had this huge fear of not being able to do the job. I don't think I would be a good manager, she told me. I don't know how to do the paperwork. <laughs> so her equation, she equated being a manager to having to do the paperwork. I was under no illusion. She needed training. But when we put people into positions, don't they all need training? I tapped into my amazing circle of colleagues and reached out to the HR manager at one of the bigger hotels in Edmonton. They agreed to stage her at their hotel for a week. She got to shadow the banquet team and the banquet manager for a whole week, learning their systems, their methods, how they did things for a whole week. The hotel generously put her up in their hotel and taught her their systems and their managers. And, and she got to work the banquet events at a much bigger venue. Susan actually worked over 60 hours in that hotel that week, thrilled to death with the opportunity to broaden her horizons. And yes, we paid her salary for that week. It was a small price to pay for her getting world-class training. The remaining two years that I was at that hotel, Susan was a phenomenal banquet manager. So we've covered the first three. I'd like to get into the last two keys of Create a Remarkable Framework for Renewal, the acronym CARE FOR, and we'll get to that right after this. Attention meeting and event planners. Is your company or association planning a live or virtual conference, seminar, staff retreat? Are you looking for a fresh, energetic perspective on what it takes to put on a jaw-dropping experience for your customers or staff? Book customer experience expert, Mark Hain for your next group event. Past participants have said, Mark kept us in stitches while teaching us how important and powerful actually designing our customer experience can be. Read more testimonials and find out how Mark can serve you and your group at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. As you can tell, my purpose is serving business owners and managers just like you. If you are listening to this and are thinking, good golly, Mark, I need to train my leaders. Or if you're planning a leadership retreat or a conference and you think this would be valuable, feel free to reach out for a quick discovery call. Again, my contact info is in the show notes. It would be my pleasure to serve you. And please, if you do know somebody who could use this information, be a great leader and share it. <laughs> so far, we've covered cultivate a culture of innovation and risk-taking. We've talked about autonomy, and that is provide autonomy and empowerment to your team. And we've talked about resources, offer resources and support, mainly your expertise, your guidance, and your mentorship. Up next in the framework is the F in the Care4 framework, and that is foster open communication and collaboration. Create a platform for sharing ideas and encourage cross-departmental collaboration. You know, there's something magical for when we bring departments together, when we talk, when we bring people to one table and, and we say to them, you know, come and share your ideas in a high trust environment 
where everybody has a voice on the table. One of the things I used to do in one of my department meetings was I had departments in a multi-departmental organization that, that always seemed to clash a lot. And I could tell just from the, you know how you walk into a lunchroom and you just know there's, there's something going on, that there's, there's a clash of something and you, just, you, you can just feel it? That would happen a lot. And so one of the things that I started to do was I started doing virtue picks before every meeting. And so the Virtues Project is, is an exercise where you have virtue cards and you pick a card and you talk about how that virtue works for you and, and how you stru- maybe even struggle with it. And then you get two or three people around the table to acknowledge that particular virtue in you and give you examples. Well, I could tell almost instantly from the very first time that we did this that all of a sudden that static kind of lessened and we had much more respectful meetings because of that. And it was just a magical way to do it. And ever since then, I've been doing that with every management meeting, really on a quarterly basis. So if we can bring people with different portfolios together to talk to one another and understand where everybody's at within the realm of their portfolio and their department and their challenges, all of a sudden we open up this thing of collaboration where somebody turns around and says, oh, you know what? I had that exact same thing happen to me. Here's how I dealt with it. Right? And so we do that. But then at the grass levels, we also promote regular communications between teams and management to discuss progress, challenges, and insights. I've talked a lot about the power of stand-ups. I made it a whole chapter in my book on what can happen with stand-ups. In theater, when we get together as a cast before every show, we're going to talk about where are some of the issues where we're tripping up and falling down and where do we think we're going to need support and so on. Like when you're on stage in a live performance, you're there. You're fully exposed. That means between you and these five or six other people on stage with you, they're there to back you up so that if all of a sudden your mind goes blank and you forget the, um, the word, yes, <laughs> you forget the words, they're there to help back you up to make sure that the show continues on. This should be the same thing in business. You should have people who are there to be able to understand where you're at and so on. You know, the, we have the Canadian snowbirds who are, I believe it's snowbirds, who are the uh, precision flying team. You know, before every flight, they have a go, no-go conversation. And this is upfront. This is honest. This is, I'm not, you're not looking at, oh, if I say I'm not ready to go, they're going to think badly of me. This is life or death. Because those precision flying teams need to know that everybody's up to par. If somebody comes in and goes in, you know what? I feel a little clogged up. My brain seems a little shifty. It's like, Steve, why don't you step out and we'll bring Bob in, right? So, and there's no shame. There's absolutely no shame. And so doing pre-shift stand-ups does a couple of things for us. One is it brings people up to date on current here and now. It also gives us the opportunity to assign the leadership of the stand-up to different employees. Every day, different people can lead the stand-up. And so now we're also using it as a leader. We're also looking at it and saying, okay, Donna, I'd like you to do the stand-up today. And they help lead it. And because of it, you can then use that as a great way for the next point, which is to encourage feedback and constructive criticism to refine and improve ideas. So being able to get people to step out of their comfort zone and then be there to give really good evaluation, and as a leader, be ready to accept an evaluation and some criticism, that is powerful. But again, this is where humility in leadership is key. If we allow failing forward, we must be opening open to 
learning what we can do better. I was just facilitating a workshop for at-risk youths, and it was a public speaking workshop, and we were talking about the power of evaluations. And we made sure that the only criticism we would ever give was criticism to be in service to the other person. When we give criticism in service, it is done to honor the other person, not crush the other person. We could acknowledge what people do really well, and we can just give one or two points. Hey, just one thought came to mind. Maybe you could try this next time. When we accept criticism, we do so in that kind of framework, knowing that it is with a kind heart, knowing that the people giving the criticism wants to serve us. And that in itself is magical. It creates then all of a sudden this enhanced level of trust within your organization to know that we are here for each other and I am going to honor the fact that you're trusting me to give you good criticism to be in service of you. And then lastly, the R. (laughs) The R is for recognize and reward entrepreneurial efforts. If you've watched this show for any length of time, you've heard me say if you want to reinforce a particular behavior, the best way is to recognize reward and it gets repeated. (laughs) The best way to do that is you find what people are doing that you really want to support that behavior instead of looking at all the negative stuff and all the crazy stuff and saying, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. You take a look at what they are doing, right? And you say, hey, you know what? I really appreciate the way you handled that difficult client. I thought the way that you calmed her down and came to a solution was great. Well done. What they're going to do the next time. By acknowledging and rewarding the efforts and contribution and contribution of the entrepreneurs is going to give them the trust and the confidence to be able to take even more risks and to try even further. So when you turn around and say, you know what, I really appreciate the fact that you thought that you did this thing to streamline our operations. And there was kind of a hiccup. I appreciate you taking the risk. Let's talk about what we could do better to move it forward. And then when they are doing it, it's like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that you made us 20% more productive or you created more project, uh, more profit for us because we have less waste now. Well done. I can't imagine these people not coming to work just on cloud nine all the time. (laughs) You know, it's important as well to implement a system that recognizes not just the outcomes, but also the processes. So we're not only just rewarding the wins, we're rewarding the growth. Dan uh, Sullivan wrote a book called um, The Gap in the Game, where he talks about so many times we're always looking at the gap. We're standing where we are and going, gosh, I wish I had done this, and I wish I had done this, and I, I wish I had done that. What we failed to look at is, look how far you've come the last six months. Let's celebrate how we have grown rather than all the things, all the marks that we've missed. If we can celebrate where we've grown, my goodness, then we're really just celebrating the fact that we are better off today than we were six months ago. And so we can celebrate milestones and successes to motivate the entire team to know that we have grown. This framework as a whole, this this whole care for framework, encapsulates the essence of the strategies needed to foster entrepreneur thinking within our organization. This What we're talking about is intrapreneurship within a team. And it highlights what it takes to create a supportive and innovative environment to for team members to thrive. So just as a quick review, there's five aspects to this framework. One is to cultivate a culture of innovation and risk-taking. Autonomy, which is to provide autonomy and empowerment. 
We provide the resources, so we offer resources and support to help them succeed. We foster open communication and collaboration, and we recognize and reward entrepreneurial efforts. You know, I think it is a shame for those who don't adopt creating a remarkable framework for renewal, this framework. I believe that they're going to be relegated to getting what they've always got, and that is the initiative ice age where their team will still be dependent on being told what to do. Their leaders will still be frustrated with the lack of initiative. Their staff will know it's not, it's no use bringing up any kind of ideas because it's only going to get shot down. <laughs> their meetings will be full of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, <laughs> and you'll keep getting what you've always gotten and nothing ever changes. I look at the potential of kind of changing into this entrepreneurial mindset, and I look at the potential that that would bring. And I just keep thinking, if we drive towards this entrepreneur infusion, we'd see our team stepping up with their abilities and capacities. We'd see more collaboration with people feeding off one another. And we'd have a culture of constructive risk-taking. Of course, the major outfall will be higher employee engagement, lower turnover, less burnout, more productivity, perhaps more profit. Gosh, that would be a real shame. (laughs) As I wrap up, I just want to reinforce meaningful transformation isn't an overnight affair. This is not something you could just turn a switch on and it'll just happen. It is a journey, but it's one that's both challenging and exciting. If today's discussion resonated with you, if you're feeling that spark to ignite change within your organization, I encourage you not to let this moment pass. Take the first step towards creating a workplace where innovation, autonomy, and entrepreneurial spirit aren't just buzzwords, but the very foundation of your team's core belief and core successes. I'd suggest you start by evaluating where your team currently stands. Identify one area from the care for framework where you can be really focus on improving. Maybe it's fostering better communication or perhaps it's recognizing and rewarding innovative efforts. Whatever it is, take that step. Remember the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. It could be daunting, but if you have a vision for what the future should look like for you, taking that one step shouldn't be all that risky. I hope this has been helpful for you. If you have some questions about our topic today or you'd like to brainstorm some aspect of your business, feel free to click the calendar link in the show notes and book a complimentary 30-minute clarity call with me, I Live to Serve. And please, if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your network. I've always said it, that knowledge is power, but it's only powerful if you share it. I thank you so much for hanging out with me today. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope you dare to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare 
to be the exception.